here only a while. I left my dear home in Ireland. It was death, starvation, or exile. When I got to America, it was my duty to go. Enter the army and slog across Texas to join in the war against Mexico. And it was there in the pueblos and hillsides that I saw the mistake I had made. Part of a conquering army with the morals of a bayonet blade. And there amidst all these poor dying Catholics, screaming children, the burning stench of it all. Myself and two hundred Irishmen decided to rise to the call. From Dublin City to San Diego, we witnessed freedom denied. So we formed the St. Patrick Battalion and we fought on the Mexican side. We formed the St. Patrick Battalion and we fought on the Mexican side. Arch neath the green flag of St. Patrick, emblazoned with Erin Golbra. Bright with the harp and the shamrock, and the Veritat Republica. Just fifty years after Wolftone, five thousand miles away, the Yanks called us a legion of strangers, and they can talk as they may. But from Dublin City to San Diego, we witnessed freedom denied, so we formed the St. Patrick Battalion, and we fought on the Mexican side. We formed the St. Patrick Battalion, and we fought on the Mexican side. We fought them in five major battles. Churubusco was the last. Overwhelmed by the cannons from Boston, we fell after each mortar blast. Most of us died on that hillside in the service of the Mexican state. So far from our occupied homeland, we were heroes and victims of fate. From Dublin City to San Diego, we witnessed freedom denied. So we formed the St. Patrick Battalion and we fought on the Mexican side. From Dublin City, to San Diego, we witnessed freedom denied. So we formed the St. Patrick Battalion, and we fought on the Mexican side. We formed the St. Patrick Battalion, and we fought on the Mexican side.
Howdy, folks. Welcome to Redneck Gone Green. I'm your host, David Cobb, and I am the Redneck, and you bet I've gone green, and I'm trying to convince you and others to join me in going green. And I want to remind you that when I and we here at this program say go green, we mean that in a multiple number of ways. The first and most important way is deep ecology, not merely environmentalism or conservation but deep green, an understanding that we are all interconnected. And I don't just mean human beings, although I do mean human beings. I mean life itself. Our brothers and sisters and non-gender conforming uh, siblings in the human race, but also our cousins, the bears and the fish and the trees, uh, that we are all connected in a beautiful dance of life. And this web of life we are all connected to and whatever we do to that web of life we ultimately do to ourselves so whether you approach that from an eco-spiritual point of view or a hard science point of view my friends that's a fact we are connected and we damn well better start acting like it but the other way i mean green is as in green party because i am a proud member of the green party i don't fuss at people about party labels but i will tell you this I have conviction and clarity that we need to build an independent, bottom-up, people's party that is not beholden to and dependent on the corporate money of Wall Street America. And we know, I know, that both the leadership of the Democratic Party and the leadership of the Republican Party are all funded by the same imperial corporate interests. So... With that, our guest today is particularly poised and I think qualified to have that conversation. We're joined by Wafik Forur, who is a longtime member of Vermonters for Peace and Justice. Wafik was actually raised in a Palestinian refugee camp, came to this country to study, settled in Vermont, and has been active with peace and justice issues for over 30 years. Wafik, welcome to the program. Thank you, David. Thank you for the invite. Of course, uh, I think that we have to start with uh, the fact that we are witnessing uh, a horrific massacre uh, in Gaza now, and we're going to talk about that big picture. But I also want to make sure just to tell viewers that we're going to also uh, talk about the work that Vermonters for Peace and Justice has been doing successfully as part of the BDS uh, movement, uh, as well as the, the horrific uh, shooting that happened in Burlington at a peace rally. So we've got lots to talk about, Wafik, and what I want to do is invite you to frame this conversation, uh, to put the apartheid regime uh, that, that that uh, that we're witnessing into some historic perspective. Thank you, David. A lot of uh, people, a lot of people in Vermont, as I uh, hear now, it sounds to me that they think the problem happened in October 7 on the war uh, between as the mainstream media, the controlled media, tells the American public in general. 
that it is between Israel Hamas war, which is this is disingenuous and it's not true. Uh, the war is taking place is Israel against the Palestinian people, Israel. And this war started more than 75 years ago. A lot of people, they think Israel historically was there and they have argument about religious uh, uh, background of the Jewish people and their relationship to that land. Actually, the idea of Israel over there, it is more a colonialist project to be planted on the Middle East to control and breaking the Middle East to many states at, as it happened after World War I and creating one colonialist project that can be there to control Suez Canal, the raw material, the oil, and the wealth of the Middle East that many occupiers, at least of the known history, 22 uh, empires uh, came, uh, occupied that region, in particular Palestine, and they left. And there is no different, any colonialist and apartheid project you're going to plant over there, there their survival is going to be temporarily no different than the struggle in South Africa, on the Congo, or Algiers. So when they planted it over there, and we are talking about the English mandate over Palestine on 1917, when Lord Belfort uh, promised a Jewish land uh, in uh, Palestine, the idea was uh, the, uh, that a promise had been published by a letter from uh, the, secretary, the foreign secretary of the British Empire to uh, the Rothschild, the head of the Rothschild family then. That letter of the promise, it wasn't for safety of our Jewish siblings at all, because the problem in Europe, as we know, that the uh, Jewish people suffered greatly in many areas in Europe and then used to be called a Jewish problem or coined as a Jewish problem. And for that, there is another, another thing have been coined. Any uh, body will talk about the Jewish uh, public or act against the Jewish public, we're going to call them anti-Semitic, which is another word coined up, which is, it is European made, European brand, and racism, we have to face it, mainly anti-Semitic, it was uh, uh, European production. So to come forward, uh, when uh, on, on the early uh, 20th century, 1907, the population uh, of the Jews in Palestine, which is, I mean, majority of them in newcomers, uh, but a lot of them are Arab Jews, or as we call them, Palestinian Jews. That population increased uh, as we talk uh, forward, 
and uh, multiplied many times after the Holocaust. So a lot of Americans, mainly Vermoner, they think, oh, because the Jewish population suffered a lot in Europe, they have to uh, be on a country of their own. But none of the European country offered them any place, but they offered them a place doesn't belong to them. So the British Empire offered uh, the Jewish people a land doesn't belong to the British Empire, to the people they, are, they don't have any right to settle there and to build a foreign colonialist uh, colony in the Arab world and in the Middle East. That brought a friction between the indigenous people of Palestine and the newcomer in one hand and the indigenous people in Palestine and the forces of the British mandate. This is the short history of it. But as we came close to 1948 forward, I can sum up the area or the history of the area on a few words, which is it is genocide, which is many massacres happened like Deir Yassin, Kafar Qasim, like Qbiye, uh, and Tantura, which is there is an Israeli production documentary. Uh, to Israeli who uh, were part of uh, the Jewish uh, terrorist organization Haganah and Steren, where they killed uh, all the people in one village that actually there was no reports about it whatsoever. In Deir Yassin, they killed many people, handful of people survived, and Deir Yassin, ironically, have been located outside of Jerusalem. And on that town now, they built the Holocaust Museum on that land, exactly of Deir Yassin, where they massacred men, women, and children. Come forward on the uh, late 50s and 60s, the Palestinian, I, I mean, I am uh, a result of 19, uh, when my father and my mother became refugees in Lebanon. But at the same time, it was the vision of the whole family. Uh, my grandmother, uh, father's side, and two of, uh, of his brothers, one sister, and his father uh, stayed there. His father became uh, prisoners for seven years. They let him out after he lost his sight. Uh, mother's side, her father got killed in 1948. Half of her family moved to Lebanon and Syria, and the other half stayed. Those people who stayed, they hid on the old, old uh, Bronze Age caves uh, or the fields of the olives. The first law Israel uh, exacted or declared was the absentee law. The, what, what, what the absentee law tells you, that we came to such and such land and uh, the la landlord or the owner of that land was absent, so now it is the new declared state, which is Israel, became the owner. As a matter of fact, my grandmother who had uh, for days until uh, the bombardment stopped, went back to her home 
and she found an axe on her house. She found it very strange. Actually, she became a tenant and she has to pay rent to the new state because she was absent when they came. But if she was there, they would have shoot, shot her, similar to my grandfather, uh, grandfather, mother's side, which is he owns a lot of land on uh, Upper Galilee, and uh, definitely he's dead, and it is a state land. So the Israeli created this new uh, government, and the, from the beginning, uh, they, don't, they didn't have uh, but uh, and, uh, but bunch of laws, no constitution to run the new government. And uh, all these laws pointed out that uh, they are primary uh, land or the primary jobs, the primary everything is for the Jews. So they created a supremacy laws against the Palestinian inhabitant or the indigenous people. First laws of the United Nations, first uh, declarations is the right of return of the refugees and uh, land for the Palestinians. Hundred, more than hundred of those uh, declaration by uh, the UN have been disregarded by Israel uh, over the years. And they continued to uh, operate and function on a supremacy matter that if you are a Jew, you are uh, you have more rights than the others, uh, Palestinians, if they are Muslims, Christians, or uh, atheists, whatever. Uh, so, uh, and the uh, last declaration, which is declaring that this state is a Jewish state, is uh, number one of those laws uh, that it will tell you is apartheid law. If I want to talk about apartheid, which is it's, uh, a lot of people refuse uh, to accept this kind of definition or uh, label to Israel, because uh, apartheid have been used in South Africa between uh, white and black. And uh, both of us, uh, as Palestinian Arabs and supposedly the Jews, regardless if they are Arab Jews or Ashkenazi Jews uh, or Mizrahi Jews, uh, that uh, supposedly Semitic, and we come from the language that Hebrew is Semitic language. Uh, the apartheid law, it doesn't stop there. In 1967, uh, they took over West Bank and Gaza. West Bank was controlled by Jordan and Gaza was controlled by Egypt. Um, the laws, if you look at it, so the Palestinians are in different situation, whatever you want to talk about. We are uh, refugees in Lebanon. There are hundreds of us over there, uh, hundreds of thousands, 700,000 almost in Lebanon, 600 to 700,000 in Syria. We are refugees too, uh, over uh, two to three million in uh, uh, Jordan, and a lot of refugees in Egypt, Iraq, and many Arab countries. So we became migrants of the Arab countries, mainly the Arab Gulf countries, uh, 
we are uh, cheap labor for the countries we're living in and we don't have similar rights even if you're born as a refugee it doesn't mean that you're going to have uh, the equal right with the citizen who born over there those are well, the refugees. yes Yes, so it's a lot, uh, and I know that there is a, an intense history. I wanted to, to make a few quick observations. Uh, one, I deeply appreciated you acknowledging the horrific history of the Jewish people, uh, and the, uh, not just in World War II, but really uh, a long time uh, of folks who have been villainized uh, in European history, especially. Um, uh, I also appreciate the distinction that you're making between Jewish people and the Israeli state, uh, and that these are not the same. Uh, that uh, Jewish people uh, are an ethnicity, uh, the Israeli state is a creation. The other thing that I want to point out is to underscore there are 1.4 million Palestinian refugees today. Uh, and they come from Lebanon, they come from Jordan, they come from Syria. The, the, there is a history of multi-generations of Palestinians and their descendants who have been forced off of their land. And I think that for many Americans, especially who are only uh, receiving information from the corporate media, that history is almost never discussed uh, in the context of the, 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 the situation in the Middle East. Uh, I also want to point out that there has been a history of peaceful resistance and efforts to return since the very beginning. And I wanted to, again, as you pointed out, it, this uh, this dispute, uh, this war did not begin on October 7th, right? Uh, but I, I did want to take a moment to talk a bit about the work that you and others have been doing in Vermonters for Justice in Palestine, because you've been at this for about 30 years now. So you've seen uh, an arc. And I want to make sure that we have a chance to talk about some of the the exciting resistance work and the work for justice that Vermonters for Justice in Palestine are engaged in. Yeah, my, my work in the United States didn't start in the United States. When I came in uh, to this country, it's true I was 17 years old, I came to Northeastern University, but even when we are little, we were part of uh, uh, Palestinian student unions, the Palestinians even as refugees on the diaspora, we are very well organized. On the refugee camps, you will find unions, uh, Palestinian women unions, uh, Palestinian uh, doctors unions, uh, uh, writer, authors, artists. So the Palestinian uh, story never left me. We born with it. And the dream of going back home is, uh, comes from generation to generation. Uh, uh, it was wrong from the Israeli, mainly the Prime Minister Golda Meir, to think that the old will die and the young will forget. Uh, 
I, I mentioned the refugee to tell you the situation, how apartheid worked, but I want to mention that it was part of the ethnic cleansing and the ethnic cleansing is still going on. The genocide happened in 48, genocide happening now on Gaza. Uh, coming back to what we are doing on here, uh, our organization is uh, many people from different groups coming together and they believe uh, we are connected for uh, creating education and other activism to bring the Palestinian story to Vermont uh, audience. Uh, so uh, Vermonters for Justice in Palestine have been here at least 23, 24 years uh, here. But in between, before that, I was doing exactly what they used to do, writing article, a news paper, talking to some uh, classrooms, if it's high school or college, when I got invited to tell the Palestinian story. Now, coming uh, forward, uh, we, after the uh, call uh, from uh, the civil society, the Palestinian civil society, to adopt the BDS, which is initial for boycott, divestment, and sanction, uh, we adopted it here in Vermont for Justice in Palestine, and we tried to choose uh, some kind of a campaign, make it as local as possible for Vermont to understand it, which is we choose Ben and Jerry with its social mission uh, because uh, the first uh, 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 factory they opened outside of Waterbury, Vermont. It was in Israel, which is uh, very interesting, founded. And because Ben and Jerry are calling for uh, peace and love, and they have a good social mission, we contacted them. We tried to work with them, with Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield at the beginning, and later with their uh, board of directors and their executive, it took us over 12 years, 13 years, to force them to close that company or to sell it to the lessee. And they had a lot of uh, attacks and pushbacks. They have been called self-hating Jews. They have been called anti-Semitic uh, because that happened. As a matter of fact, a lot of people who oppose our boycott movement, they called them to boycott Ben and Jerry because of that. Uh, statement. It doesn't stop there. We have uh, other uh, resolution. Year and a half ago, we introduced a resolution to the city of Burlington to uh, uh, recognize Palestinian rights, Palestinian human rights, and our rights under the First Amendment for BDS. And we get opposed uh, many uh, uh, very well-known rabbis in the Greater Burlington area, uh, South Burlington. Uh, they came calling us anti-Semitic because we brought the campaign, as they put it, before uh, high holidays. Which is so, I look. Yes, I'm listening. Well, yes, yes. Uh, I I want to stop for a moment because I some viewers may not know that BDS stands for boycott, divestment and sanctions. So these are peaceful tools uh, that have been used since time immemorial to uh, exert pressure 
uh, on governments uh, for justice. I myself, as a youngster, uh, used BDS uh, as part of the anti-apartheid regime against uh, the South African government. Uh, and we were successful. Uh, at least at the University of Houston, we forced the Board of Regents to divest of all of its uh, investments in corporations that were doing business with the apartheid regime in South Africa back in the 80s. So we know it works. Uh, of course, uh, I also find it quite ironic uh, that there are some calling that an anti-Semitic approach when I know many Jews uh, who are active leaders and workers uh, in the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. Uh, so I'm wondering if you also have uh, Jews who are working in Vermonters for Justice in Palestine uh, uh, who are, are, are standing with Vermonters. Of course. Uh, many of uh, our very active uh, members of v VTGP, Vermona for Justice in Palestine, are from uh, the Jewish faith. We differentiate between Judaism as a faith as, and the Zionism as an ideology. Zionism had been created in 1897 by Theodore Herzl, which is he was atheist. And a lot of people adopted because nationalism in Europe was the trend then, and he thought of the idea of a Jewish state. To say that, not every Zionist is a Jew. It's a mistake. Uh, millions of the Americans who are supporting Israel are a Christian Zionists. And those Christian Zionists, it doesn't mean they are doing it because they like or support Judaism or the Jews. Those people, they are thinking, we need a Jewish state so the temple, uh, Solomon Temple can be built. And after that, we as a Christian, we come and either we convert them or we slaughter them uh, because the day of judgment coming and the Messiah will come and the Lord will come. So those are the most dangerous. I found it ironic that people see groups like that, the Christian Zionism, and they don't talk about it. They don't call them anti-Semitic because they have very close relationship with the Israeli government, have very good relationship with APAC, which is uh, the Israeli lobby uh, in Washington, D.C., who are lobbying for laws that prevent the Congress uh, to make a simple, simple resolution, even for the last war, the ceasefire, because they oppose a ceasefire. They think the more you kill Palestinians, the more genocide, the more ethnic cleansing in Palestine, uh, uh, the, the closer we will, will come uh, of the uh, last coming of the Lord, etc. This kind of Masonic the, uh, crazy idea uh, has existed here, and I don't hear many Americans call them anti-Semitic, which is... You know, it's, 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 it really is a function, isn't it, uh, Wafiq, of the corporate media in this country who tends to say really one narrative and one uh, one story consistently. And it really is, I think, a reflection and bluntly uh, uh, demonstrates how the empire 
uh, is really in united, right? They, the, 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 the corporate media tells the story of empire uh, and the Israeli uh, uh, government is constantly lifted up as heroic within U.S. corporate media. Has that how you've experienced it? Experience it. I, I see it. I the the idea of the United States that they helping the Jews. They, they, they are using the Jews as uh, as uh, wood fire on that because if you remember, if really United States was opposing anti-Semitism and saving the Jews, FDR would have welcomed the Jews on the ships when they arrived to New York Harbor. You know, he rejected them. You know, but he accepted a state of Israel to be created. The idea of a state of Israel is a Western manufacturer, Western, it's a French, British, American altogether. You know, the, the, the empire is benefiting from the money they are making from the Gulf area from Suez Canal, from controlling all satellite government that grow post-colonialism. And that's what I really wanted to sort of big picture wise to help uh, viewers and listeners of Wednet Gone Green to really understand that this is an imperial project, uh, that, that that is a worldview that I really wanted to underscore. So folks, you're listening and or watching Redneck Gone Green. I'm your host, David Cobb. I am the Redneck and I've gone green. I want to remind you that this is the kind of conversation that you're not going to hear on corporate media. So I'm going to ask you to please like, comment, and share this conversation. Please join us. Become a subscriber on Substack. We write there every week. Uh, please join us on YouTube or Rumble as a subscriber to the video, and you can find the podcast of this conversation wherever your podcast uh, uh, can be found, but we always put it on our Substack as well. We are talking today with Wafik Faour, who is a Palestinian refugee himself. Uh, he came to this country over 30 years ago as a student and has stayed. Uh, he's gotten 30 years uh, or more of uh, work in justice, uh, specifically is now an active member in Vermonters for Justice in Palestine. Uh, and he's been talking to us about the work that they have been doing for many years in Vermont, uh, and especially around the boycott, divest, sanctions movement, also known as BDS. Uh, but Wafik, we are also are coming up at the halfway mark of this conversation, and I would be remiss uh, if we did not make it a point to ask you about the three young men who were shot uh, by, uh, well, just, just a, it was a horrific shooting. Uh, I don't know much about the, the backstory, so I'm going to ask you to tell us uh, uh, about what happened and what is the current uh, status of those three young men. Uh, it was 10 days ago today when a three young uh, Palestinian men, all of them three college students, uh, they were walking on North Prospect Street. The three of them, they know each other because they went to the same high school called the Friends in Ramallah, Palestine. 
they uh, get accepted to three different colleges, very good colleges, and they decided to come together to meet on Thanksgiving uh, holiday at one of this uh, one of the, uh, the students, the grandmother uh, and uncle uh, who doesn't live uh, far away in North Prospect Street. They were uh, around 6.20 on the evening, on Saturday evening, walking, speaking to each other in Arabic, wearing the kofiya, the headscarf. Uh, uh, a man uh, jumped out from uh, uh, front porch uh, and uh, shot them, four shots, uh, hit the, th the three of them. Two of them now, they are out of danger and out of the hospital. One of them is still in the hospital, but paralyzed from the neck down. His name is Hijam. Uh, but his messages to us, it gives us hope because his messages is full of resilience and he consider himself what happened to him. It's happening to all the Palestinians, wherever we are mainly now in Gaza, in the West Bank. Uh, we faced that before. But the irony of it, that you grow up on a war zone like Palestine and you face arrest checkpoints, uh, uh, humiliation every day and shooting at people. Today, uh, another uh, 300, 400 Palestinians uh, in Gaza get killed. The numbers in Gaza 16,200 some by this afternoon. More Palestinians uh, get killed in the West Bank as well. To come all the way to United States thinking it is safer, at least for their families, to send them to United States because it's safer and you got shot just because you are speaking Arabic or you're wearing kofiya and identify with, uh, your, uh, with the Palestinian uh, cause. I mean, the kofiya for us, the headscarf, it means we're carrying home with us wherever we go. And this is, was the simple message, giving it to anybody. And when we meet each other, we start talking immediately if we are wearing kofiya. And lately we are doing it in all of our uh, rallies. But actually, the, the hard ache we have, the, 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 we get angry because until now, state of Vermont and uh, the mayor, the governor, everybody, they didn't call it hate crime. They didn't call it as is. So even though they said it's hateful incident, but it's not hate crime. And this is the way uh, it goes in the United States. Otherizing of the groups, and the same happens if a black or a brown person got shot. The same happened if every uh, the, the, our migrants who are suffering on the border, uh, the southern border, getting shot or dying on the border or putting them on jail and border. Otherizing is becoming very easy. It's everything here, people they watch or listen, it's like the movie they watch. They divide the world to good and evil. And for the blacks, they call them thugs. For the migrants, they call them 
smugglers, and for Palestinians, they call them uh, terrorists, and the Israeli call us a human animals. So when you, you talk about animals, animals all the time, it will be easy to digest that if you heard the number of 6,500 Palestinian children get killed and thousands maybe still under 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 uh, 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 those buildings and nobody uh, uh, has has the 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 strength to bring them out because of the bombardment it has been today 60 days uh, since israel started so back to those kids i mean i hope they uh, uh, they, 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 they will stay strong. I hope they uh, uh, go back and accomplish what they're supposed to accomplish. They are a Palestinian story by itself. By the way, to the people who don't know, uh, the average Palestinian educated from college degrees to PhDs, not only the highest on the Middle East and higher than Israel, but even higher than the United States per capita, because we lost our land, we don't have land to work in, we don't have many rights or businesses to register it under our name on the places we became refugee. The only way we have are our schools, colleges, degrees, and become educated. And it doesn't mean if we made it in some country, we're going to forget Palestine and where we came from. Contrary, this is make us more strong and more determined to go back. So Wafiq, uh, I, I want to ask what you can tell us very quickly uh, about the shooter. Uh, is there, because uh, it's a horrific example and I don't know if it was, just an isolated incidence of white supremacy and and uh, a hate crime, or if it was part of a more uh, sophisticated, consolidated attack. I'm wondering if you know. I believe it is until now. Uh, in my opinion, it is white supremacists who shot those three uh, people. Uh, but again the reaction until now, before they tested him, before they asked him any question, I saw in many social media that he's uh, mentally challenged, he's not like that kind of a person, etc., etc. But it happens in every mass shooting in America. Believe me, if the shooter has a name like the people who got shot, the men who got shot, Immediately, the media has a field with it, and they're going to call him terrorist. Immediately. But now they are trying to find an excuse that he doesn't. I mean, we see it always. We know we are living on a racist system here. We face it. We've been otherized for so long. You can see it on the laws uh, they are creating today on Congress. They're passing a law. Uh, to call uh, that any criticism of Zionism, the ideology had been created by a man, it means anti-Semitic. What does it mean? It is to silence the Palestinian and their solidarity groups and not to criticize whatever Israel does. And Israel have a field with it. 
So uh, I want to circle back uh, and talk about some of the local organizing and any unique challenges that uh, you as an individual or Vermonters for Justice in Palestine have faced and, and what you've learned from that. And I also, before we jump, I do want to let you know we've gotten a little bit of uh, uh, comments in our chat, and I want to lift up uh, uh, one of our longtime listeners, Dave, has written in to ask uh, if uh the crystal zivon is part of vermonters uh for justice and if if not uh dave wants to help get you connected to her crystal is the uh, uh the ex-wife of uh, warren zivon a, a, a musician well i mean if a crystal maybe is part of our list maybe shows up in our uh uh, activities. I hope someday I can meet her and if she likes uh, to join uh, VTGP, she can go to, to vtgp.org and we have people monitoring our mail and we can help her to come to our meetings, help us because we need that help. For your early uh, question about the challenge, our main challenge coming and major opposition that from people they use the faith and weaponize anti-Semitism from some groups and they call us anti-Semitic and they call our activities anti-Semitic. But at the same time, we have a great support from majority of the leftist organizations and parties here in uh, Vermont. We have a great support from our Jewish Voice for Peace and they are main partner for our activities. And I hope uh, they uh, all these organization came uh, after the attack against Gaza. We built the coalition, uh, Vermont Coalition for uh, Palestinian uh, Liberation. And we are sponsoring a lot of work as we go forward. You know, I think it's actually uh, interesting that what we're seeing is uh, a growing number of Americans uh, are, are saying that they are in support of Palestine and Palestinian peoples, uh, even in light of the incredible corporate uh, media onslaught of one-sided reporting. I think that it's worth pointing out, uh, well, I think at least in, as I've been watching, there is a growing number of, of Americans, not just leftists like us and, and uh, anti-imperialists, but I mean ordinary Americans are turning against uh, uh, the Israeli occupation and towards Palestine. Are you seeing the same basic shift? Of course. It is awakening. What's happening on Gaza is you know side on the screen where people can see people getting killed in front of them 24 7 but at the same time you know you see it in social media and alternative media i'm not going to wait for a new york times uh, to report that there is no way to see us palestinian have been humanized on mainstream media 
the, uh, during the uh, exchange of prisoners last week. We know every Israeli prisoners. We know their faces. We know their names. Their, we know their hobbies, what kind of a music. And some of them, we saw their teddy bears. But how about the thousands uh, and thousands of Palestinian children? They have no names. They have no history. They have no future. Nothing on the American media. So they are marginalizing us on the mainstream media, but we see the people are not accepting that and they are going to the streets. They are taking over capital, uh, the capital uh, offices of some senators. And there is some changes here in Vermont of our representative and uh, Senator Walsh, but not enough to put the ceasefire on the ground and to go farther and to understand why this is happening. So, uh, Wafik, I want to take this opportunity to go a little deeper and more specific on the resolution that Vermonters for Justice and Palestine are supporting, because it's a very particular approach. And I'd love for you to talk about uh, the resolution itself and where the status of that effort is. Yes, our resolution is apartheid free community, which is we are teaching the public about what kind of laws, the racist laws, Israel control the Palestinian with. And we are working like David's campaign on apartheid uh, South Africa. If we bring uh, the uh, understanding of what Israel as an apartheid state, maybe we can take the next step farther. We are signing the people because if you want to put a resolution like this, we're putting it in front of the public. So we need to sign 5% of our uh, registered voters on city of Burlington. And after we have the 1,600, 1,700 signature, which is now we have about 1,300 of them, we're going to bring it, to put it as an item on the ballot. And the Burlington voters have the right to vote on it in March 5th, in uh, election and voting day on March 5th. So I, I really want to underscore the uh, what I think is at a very politically astute and a very sophisticated approach to using the electoral process. In other words, folks, what Wafik is describing is Vermonters for Justice in Palestine basically saying, yes, we're going to lobby elected officials, but we're not going to stop there. Uh, we're going to use the ballot box and use the ballot initiative to take the case uh, of boycott, divest, and sanctions directly to the voters in local communities and statewide communities. And that, my friends, is a more direct exercise of democratic power. Uh, it is a way to break the corporate media empire stranglehold on information. And it's a way, frankly, uh, to demonstrate that real democracy uh, is actually a more powerful exercise of sovereignty and of democracy itself. Well, I think I also want to take a moment uh, to circle back with you specifically uh, and talk about the, the effort to lobby elected officials 
and see if there are any that you just think deserve to be lifted up in Vermont and any, any that need to hear uh, more vocally uh, from Vermonters about their position. Frankly, our lobbying as Vermonter for Justice in Palestine, I cannot talk about our solidarity group because they have much more luck or influence to have a meeting with any officials. For us, it takes it takes us sometimes three, four, five months to meet with an office and usually it's not the elected official themselves. If we see them on the street or in certain occasion and we talk to them uh, uh, direct, they tell us different message than what we see them doing on uh, the capital or the generic letters they answer us when we write them letters. We so do letters. That's the point I really wanted to make. And that is when we take the approach of simply lobbying or, or, or like trying to ask for a meeting, it might take months and months to even get a meeting. And then whenever we do talk to uh, get a meeting, uh, we end up talking to staffers rather than the elected officials. And then if we have a one-on-one -on -one with the elected official, they may tell us one thing but do another. Yeah. I, that's the point that I want to make is the critically important role that you at Vermonters for Justice in Palestine and others are doing to use the ballot initiative process to go directly to the people and that this is a more democratic exercise of power and a more effective tool. That's the really the point that I, I, I wanted to make to underscore my support of what you're doing and to encourage listeners of Redneck Gone Green to understand that it's not enough to be on the right side of something. If we are not able to exercise power and make changes in policy, uh, then the horror will continue. Thank you, David. You just said it. <laughs> well, uh, Wafik, it has been my incredible privilege and pleasure to have this conversation with you. I am genuinely grateful that you are in this country, uh, that you are part of this community, uh, and I hope that uh, we get an opportunity to work together again. Uh, I will say that our mutual friend, Michelle Edelman McCormick, who introduced us, uh, sends you her love and greeting. Uh, she told me that you were incredibly uh, well-versed, uh, that you were incredibly knowledgeable, and she was right. Uh, as we come to the end of the program, Wafik, I want to give you an opportunity for any final closing thoughts or words, including what people might do who have been inspired by this conversation. I will tell uh, our friends our, uh, here in Vermont, Maybe now you are interested to know more about the Palestinian people and about the suffering of the Palestinian people. Please don't forget us if tomorrow they declare ceasefire because the Palestinians have been suffering for 75 years. It is not only two months. And if you remember us, work for justice. Talk to people and educate yourself and educate others about this subject. Because the history going to test us where we stood on the question of the Palestinian justice when you were around. There is no excuse to say it's a complicated issue. It's very simple. You have an occupiers, 
and you have people under occupation. You have uh, uh, people are imposing uh, their will and uh, uh, by force, by weapons, and you have people are suffering. Under all international law, under all international law, we the Palestinian have the right for self-determination. We have the right to fight for our freedom and independence by all means possible. And I will remind you, our Jewish siblings in uh, uh, during World War II, they suffered. They suffered greatly because they have been forgotten by the West. But at the same time, they celebrate too the Jewish resistance uh, uh, during that period. And they joined the resistance. The same, like us, we have to support the resistance over there. Our people have the right to be independent and to stand on their feet by themselves. And uh, I thank you, David and Jack and everybody. I appreciate it. And uh, I hope we'll meet again. Thank you so much. Folks, we've been talking to Wafiq Faour, who is a Palestinian refugee. He's been in this country for over 30 years. He is a active member of Vermonters for Justice in Palestine. Next week, we will be talking with uh, Zach Hayden, who is the mad redneck. Uh, Zach is a, a PhD from the University of California at Berkeley. Uh, he went, he's from Alabama. He went back to Alabama and created the Automotive Free Clinic. And next week, we're going to be talking about, and I want to get this right because uh, Zach told me specifically, he wants to talk about post-apocalyptic utopia. So you don't want to miss that show on Redneck Gone Green next Tuesday, December 12th, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Keep on keeping on. Peace.